Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Today, Valentine's Day 2023, marks the fifth year since the Parkland shootings at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Coral Springs, Florida, in which 17 students and teachers were killed with an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle. Gays Against Guns, which formed after the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, was in Washington, D.C., conducting a civil disobedience action in the Hart Senate building when they began to hear about Parkland. Orlando and Parkland, both in Florida, are two of the deadliest mass shootings in our country. Tonight at 6.30 p.m. at Trinity Washington University in Washington, D.C., gun violence prevention groups will gather to commemorate and honor the victims and survivors. Members of GAG, dressed in white, will represent the 17 victims of Parkland, just as they represented the 49 victims of Pulse in June of 2016. Youth-led movement of March for Our Lives, propelled by the Parkland shootings, was instrumental in creating a blue wave and historic voter turnout in the midterm elections of 2018. Tonight, we remember those who died and their families and communities. On behalf of Gays Against Guns, we are saddened by the news of more innocent lives lost at Michigan State University. A grim reminder that until we push our elected representatives to place our lives over the profits of the gun industry, more deaths are inevitable. We don't want what happened at Parkland to ever happen to any of us. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns radio show, our weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Robert Dominic. Our show today is Parkland, five years after. What do you do? five years after 17 members of your beloved family and community are killed and your elected officials fail to pass gun safety laws and work to undo safety measures that are still in place. Guest today, Debbie Miller, Stacey Welsh, and Angela Weber, self-described gun violence prevention activists and badass bitches. They address these questions and a wide range of topics surrounding Parkland, gun violence, Florida, Ron DeSantis, or Ron DeSantis, as we call him up here in New York, and surviving trauma. Our In Memoriam honors DeAndre Matthews of East Flatbush, who was killed in what his family believes was a hate crime. Thank you, Robert. In remembrance of DeAndre Matthews, 19 years old, February 7th, 2023, Brooklyn, New York. DeAndre Matthews, who lived in Brooklyn, was last seen by his mother, Danielle Matthews, on February 6th. 
His mother said she saw him in the morning as he left for work at Buggy's car rental, one of the two jobs he held. She later texted with him in the evening when she gave him permission to use her car. He took the car, but never came home. So he was reported missing. Danielle Matthews tracked the car, leading to the discovery of the body. I want justice for my son, she told reporters. My son got off work Monday, and then that was it. Police found Matthews' dead body on the freight train tracks near Brooklyn College. Although Matthews was found dead on the train tracks, his car had been set ablaze in a different location, his mother said, raising additional questions about the circumstances surrounding her son's death. DeAndre Matthews was a student at SUNY Broome Community College studying criminal justice. Family said he wanted to become a social worker and a good sense of humor and enjoy being with his family. He also enjoyed driving and playing video games, relatives shared. He was harmless, Danielle Matthews said. We know this is a hate crime. This is someone who is not happy with themselves. Some people are not as out in the open about their sexuality. DeAndre was. Maybe it was somebody he was dealing with. We don't know. Danielle Matthews said her son was not dating anyone, not publicly at least. He came out as gay several years ago, she said, and she wonders if he may have met up with someone during the time leading up to his death. The way he left this world was personal, she said. It was intentional. Reflecting on her late son, she said he was charismatic, enthusiastic, self-motivating, caring, and such an empathetic person. He was just so nice to people, just always too nice, and sometimes people could take that for granted. DeAndre Matthews, 19 years old, killed in Brooklyn, New York, February 7th, 2023. Thank you to Michael Sylvan Robinson for creating that loving in memoriam for DeAndre and to activist Carolyn Dixon for her support of DeAndre's mom. Our hearts are broken for you and for every mom who loses a child. Gun violence is now the number one cause of death for children in America. Okay, and now we return to the Parkland Five Years After show with interviews from our gun violence prevention badass bitches from Florida. Well, welcome listeners to Radio Gag. We have some very special people here from Florida, mostly and other places, uh, who want me to introduce them as the badass bitches. Uh, I'm gonna ask people just to tell us your name, tell us what kind of work you've done in gun violence prevention, and yeah, how you met and why you started doing the work. So I'm Debbie Miller. Um, I'm a 30-year-plus educator uh, here in Broward Schools, mostly with special needs kids. Got involved um, about five years ago, right after our shooting. Um, took the first load of kids up to Tallahassee for the um, rally to tally. The, they called it the first wave. 
And then I met um, my boyfriend, astronaut Mark Kelly, um, in the hallways in Tallahassee. I love him. I uh, got involved and took um, six planes of kids, parents, and survivor teachers up to DC for the first March for Our Lives, which is where I met um, I met Stacy Wesh. And it's really interesting because I, I wanna say, we were talking about this last night, you know, people come and go in your life, right, Sarah? That, you know, you meet people, I know you, you meet people all the time, but Stacy and I met and it was literally in an extremely crowded room with hundreds of people. So there were many, many options, but we did, we met and we had an instant connection and we have, they call us salt and pepper. And we have, we have been, uh, we've been together in our advocacy ever since. All right, um, Stacy Wesh, I am from Parkland, Florida. And I got involved in the gun violence prevention movement. My daughter was um, a student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas the day of the shooting at the school and um, hid in the closet for two and a half hours while the shooter killed 17 of her classmates and wounded another 17 others. Um, she had gotten involved in the movement straight from there. Um, she, she had done a fellowship with one of the big organizations. And when she had to go ahead, start concentrating back on school again, I told her that I would take over in her advocacy for her so that she could concentrate on her work. And that's what I have been doing ever since, um, have been involved with several of the big organizations, smaller organizations, um, and then, we went ahead at another event for <laughs> um, for somebody who was running for president. And that was when we met Angela. So I will pass it off to her now. Hi, yes. Yeah, so my name is Angela Weber. Uh, my son was a survivor of the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting. He was hiding um, in the closet within his, with his theater class. And my son, Stacey and I didn't know each other at the time, but my son was actually um, directly underneath in the classroom, beneath the classroom where Stacey's daughter um, was also hiding. Um, and after that, you know, when a mass shooting happens in your community, it doesn't just happen one day. And then the next day you try to go back to living life. It was very traumatic for our community. And so as we're trying to grapple with what happened and then also, you know, just more and more information kept coming out and it wasn't little information. It was gut punching information about how we had just been failed on multiple levels that day, our, our community and our kids. And then at the same time, we had March for Our Lives being birthed out of that tragedy. And, you know, originally the activations and the protests, they were local. And so that was newsworthy. And so we were just in a hysteria of media coverage for a, a good number of weeks. And it was quite interesting and why I was grateful that we weren't forgotten it was it was simultaneously traumatizing as a parent living less than a mile from the school and trying to just live life right and be a good mom and take care of your family after you've experienced this horrific trauma and so months after we had had time you know for me during that time you know you want to know why and you want to fix it and whenever I learned about the gun laws in our state and in our country, I was appalled because there were so many safety nets that I thought were in place, I assumed were in place, that are not in place. 
And the reason that they are not in place just infuriated me. And so um, I got involved in the movement and um, at, it came to a point where um, Eric Swalwell's advance team came to town. They wanted to have a, a town hall on gun violence. And it was pretty late in the plan. And we found out that he was actually going to be announcing that he was running for president. So that was pretty exciting, right, to be working with um, an office that was about to have this huge announcement. And so the event was held at a local arena and we were kind of the connection between his office and the local activists and who could volunteer for this event. Uh, one of our friends, Heather, was also, I was working very closely with her, with, with his advanced team. And they said, well, we need somebody who can identify Parkland families when they come in and respectfully take them to the back if they would like to meet Eric. And so Heather said, I know the I know the perfect two people. And I'm like, okay. So she asked these women, Debbie and Stacey, if they will come. And, you know, it was an exciting event. We were on the bargain panel from Honor with Action, not with, well, that was us. That was our doing. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gaze Against Guns radio show here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio, WBAI 99.5 FM. Thanks for listening to today's Parkland Five Years After show. Well, we have a very responsive president here. But you guys are in Florida, and the entire country, I hope, is shocked by your governor, his out-and-out fascism. I, I keep calling him the George Wallace of the 2020s. I mean, he just seems proud to be this horrible, flaming bigot. Anyways. So yeah. it's not a surprise. Um, he said that when he won the election, he was going to go for two things, permitless carry and an abortion ban. Um, so we knew that permitless carry was coming. He's going to out Texas, Texas. You know, that's his plan. Yeah. So the permitless carry bill that he is trying to pass is um, going to, it would allow anybody to go ahead and carry a concealed weapon without a permit. So that would mean no additional background check, no fingerprinting, no, no um, training, none of that. So, uh, so yeah. And then there's, you know, there's the public safety aspects to that, uh, you know, as well. And um, it's, it's it's frightening. <laughs> it, it's um, you know they've also been talking about expanding the the guardian program, so they would uh, you know allowing teachers to be armed on campuses and and, and I, I know I'm leaving something out too, Angela. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just appalling whenever we look at statistics and when we look at 2021, we know that 3000 Floridians died to gun violence. And, you know, the reason we're here today talking to us is because Florida has had some of the deadliest mass shootings in Parkland. And so now our governor has promised to sign this. I call it deadly carry bill. Um, I think actually I should give March for Our Lives the, the, rec the credit because I think they came up with that term, but it's very apropos. Yeah. 
Um, he's erroneously referring to it as a constitutional carry bill. It's no secret that he prefers theater over a thoughtful policy. And we know that whenever states weaken their gun laws, that they see a skyrocketing of gun thefts. We know that this is fueling gun trafficking and also that our homicides are going to increase. But our governor just simply doesn't care about that. The road to his political career and his political aspirations, his presidential aspirations, um, that road's being paved by the blood of dead Floridians, and it's under the false guise of freedom. So it is inexcusable, and I really hope that the rest of the country is taking notice. And the, uh, the other really frightening part about this is there was a hearing just last week on, on um, this open carry bill, and a lot of the pe the Republicans that were there and uh, and people who were coming and speaking and testifying at the hearing were saying that this bill doesn't go far enough. And there's talk even about an amendment being put into this bill that would allow for permitless open carry as well. So, and then, and it doesn't even specify within that what kind of guns you'd be able to carry or not carry at some points it just says firearm and other you know and other points it says handguns so you know we don't know if would you be able to go ahead and walk around with an ar-15 and you know <laughs> underneath your shirt as or it, it's just it isn't clear and we're afraid that this bill is going to go even more extreme than what was initially thought. It was shocking during the hearing to see opposition from the left and the right for totally opposing reasons. You know, the left was saying it's a matter of public safety. Listen to statistics of what has actually happened in states where this has passed. And then the right was me, 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 me. It's all about me. And why aren't you letting me have, you know, my God-given right of constitutional carry, which both of those don't even make sense. There's no such thing either one of either one. Um, and so it was shocking to see that the other side was saying, well, we don't like this bill, but it's because it doesn't go far enough. And right. it, it, it was quite suspicious the way their talking points were so coordinated. And you just wonder if there is coordination behind it and what we can expect to see in further hearings. So really, it's a hop, skip, and a jump to, from permitless to open. So oh. You can't minimize the horror for the LBGTQ community. Absolutely. Uh, and the, these just outright attacks and I, I, the misogyny, it's so... Um, well, listen, the attacks on the LGBTQ community, it's like they're not even hiding it anymore. You know, you used to, you used to keep the quiet part in your head, but now they're saying the quiet parts out loud. I saw a political cartoon um, this morning that the kids were all hiding under the desks. And one kid said to the other, oh my God, is it a shooter? And they said, no, it's a drag queen. Here Love it. Love it. It's a scary world. Yeah. Yeah. And they're more interested, I'm sorry, they're more interested in banning books <laughs> than they are about What did we say in our last meeting? The Second Amendment is taking over the First Amendment, which I was like, wow. Like, if you think about it, that's a heavy statement. Well, I know there's a new legislative lead at uh, Brady, who's a former prosecutor for the Department of Justice. And I would hope, I would hope that we would see some things about countervailing rights and our, you know, our right to peaceably assemble, our right to privacy. All right. Well, 
thank you so much for sharing your stories, for being so generous with your time, for uh, being so talented in the things that you do, and also bringing us back to the reality of um, what it's like to heal from trauma and to be in a community that's been traumatized. I know there's more work to do, but I love how inspiring you are, you know, so rest up, badass bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having us, Sarah. We appreciate it. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gaze Against Guns radio show here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio, WBAI 99.5 FM. Thanks for listening to today's Parkland Five Years After show. We are here most every Tuesday at 2.30 p.m. bringing you the latest in gun violence prevention movement news. To find out more about working with us, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at Gaze Against Guns NY on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. Also, be sure to check out our website to learn more about our actions. Sign up for info about meetings and actions at gagsignup at gmail.com. Once again, to sign up for information on meetings and upcoming actions, email gagsignup, G-A-G-S-I-G-N-U-P at gmail.com. Remember, all are welcome at gag meetings. And listen later this evening to our live Parkland anniversary special at 6 p.m. We'll feature an update on current gun safety legislation, a call from GAG at the National Parkland Vigil in D.C., and sound clips from the historic March for Our Lives movement of 2018. Stay tuned to WBAI at 8 p.m. for programming from Out FM on Women in the Black Panther movement featuring Erica Huggins, party leader and author of Comrade Sisters, Women of the Black Panther Party. That's Out FM from 8 to 9 p.m. on WBAI after the live Parkland anniversary special from 6 to 7 p.m. Come to that point, listeners, where it is time to end our show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBII website or on any major podcast platform.